0: how's everybody doing today that was better than last week some of you weren't sure i'm hearing it that's good that means improvement it's been a blessed week for me it's been a blessed week at this church and it's just i'm excited to see what the lord is going to do today you know one of the things i love about being a parent especially a parent of young children is how i've learned about the power of my voice now this is something all parents have right is Now, if I tell my kids to do something, I realize that I'm probably going to have to tell them again. You know, it's time to get ready for bed, it's clean up your room. They they need a few reminders. Kids are easily distracted. Now, there's always, not always, but occasionally there's that, that point where they just, they have been reminded one too many times, and that's when the dad voice shows up. If I have to tell you one more time, some kids right here, they just, their eyes just got like this big, like, ah! you know, i tell you that I can put the voice on like that, and suddenly I'm realized, I didn't know my kids could move that fast, you know, so I mean, they're in bed, or the room's cleaned up, or they eat their vegetables, or whatever, and I don't have to put the voice on very often, but when I do, they pay attention. Now I also realize there is a time coming when that voice won't mean the same thing to them. For those of you here who've been through who have the teenagers, yes, the the <laughs> I got some over there not like, yep, I know what you're talking about. So the teenage years, they kind of forget the voice, don't they? I realize it's coming. I know it's there that, that one day the boys are gonna hear me put on that voice and they're gonna be bigger than they are now and stronger than they are now and smarter than they are now they're going to hear me say if i have to tell you one more time they're going to say oh yeah oh they're going to hurt on that day old friends Let i tell you no i say that because i realized i did that and didn't you growing up i mean you had that your mom or dad or both who could put on the voice and scare you when you're little but there, there came that time you said why do i have to listen to that voice I'm big enough. I'm smart enough. I'm strong enough. And I realize that there'll be that time in my boys' life, just like it was in my life, where they don't always respond to my voice. They don't always respond to the warning and to the instruction. And they'll go out there and they will make their own decision. And they'll go live even though what I'm trying to tell them to do. I I know they may not listen. Now, my hope, my prayer is that they'll always listen. Now, I know that's not true i'm going to pray that they always listen but i pray that after they learn some time of maybe maybe mom and dad do know what they're talking about and maybe they are making these decisions for our good that they'll come back and want to listen now friends i say this because i think all of us go through the same thing with god you know we begin our relationship with him and we're hearing god's voice when our life has been changed and redeemed and renewed by the blood of Christ, it's like, yes, God, I, I'm listening to everything you've got to say. And then we start to grow, and then we start to mature, and then there becomes a time we start going, well, God, but I don't want to do that. Or we get called back into to old ways and the sinful patterns, and it's hard to let go and says, I know, God, you're speaking to me. that so we kind of stop listening to God. His voice that at one time could just move us mightily and quickly, kind of we don't respond to the same way. In fact, there's a really good picture of that in the Bible. If you think about it, that God's people in the Old Testament, God's chosen people, the Israelites, really went through this. Think about, really, when, when God started to interact with the people as a whole, the nation coming out of Egypt, and He pulled them out and and really just displayed himself to them. Now, did they always get it right? No, they didn't. But in those times, in those early times of God just communicating with his people as a nation, when God would speak, when, his, when he put on dad voice, I mean, they were like, yes, I'm listening. When they got off, when they messed up, when one little thing happened and God would speak and God would sometimes, yes, bring his discipline, but God would speak and they would respond quickly. But look what happened over time. The nation goes further, and the longer they go, the more they get settled in the land in which God took them to, the, the less they listen to God's voice. And the longer it begins to take them before they'll respond to God's warnings. He'll say, children, you are going off. Don't do these things. Stop, stop forsaking my name. And it would take a little bit longer before they pay attention. And listen, and in those times God raised up some godly men and women, sometimes they were judges, sometimes they were prophets, sometimes they were kings, who would come and say, turn our hearts back to God, and they would. But it seems like each time they begin to turn away from God, and God would speak His voice to His people the longer it took before they would listen to God once again. And in fact, this morning what we'll be looking at is in the book of Jeremiah, now, Jeremiah, you may know, you may not, He's a prophet of God. Now, I always thought it would be awesome to be a prophet of God, to speak with the voice and authority of God, a message to the people. But if I had to choose a time to be a prophet, it would not be in the time of Jeremiah. Because of all the seasons of God's people, there were times when the prophet would come, and the prophet never really brought a a happy message because it was about repenting, and you guys are doing bad things, and it was a warning but so many other seasons, God would send through the prophet the message and the people would eventually listen. But in Jeremiah's time, the people had become so sinful and they had become so accustomed to not listening to or responding to the voice of God, they had no respect for Jeremiah. They didn't care about his message. In fact, they would throw him in prison. Prison. They, I mean, they didn't want to deal with him. They, 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 it says in Scripture they were, just so, they were boastful about their sins. I mean, they weren't trying to hide the fact that they weren't walking with God anymore. They had chosen their own way, and God had called, and God had spoken, and his voice had come out so many times, and still the people did not respond. So here's Jeremiah. Holy and righteous before God. Not perfect, but one that God is ready to use, and he gives the message for the people to listen. I'm going to tell you one story. Again, people, I'm going to give you the warning. I'm going to give you the reminder. What are you going to do with it? The sad fact is he was talking to a bunch of people who had no desire to listen to the voice of God. Now, that's kind of sad, but you may even wonder, why would God want us to have this written down today? Knowing that those people, for the most part, did not listen to anything God had to say about this. He gives it for you and me today. So we might listen to the voice of God. So we might hear of the warning. So we might respond to God's call when he says, don't go there, come back to me. So we deal with a passage this morning, we deal with the time, we look at it when it was a, a struggle with God's people. But God had this put down for you, for me, so that we might today listen the voice of God. Let's look at Scripture this morning. We're going to be in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 2. Let's look at these verses. We're going to start in verse 13. We're going to go through verse 19. It says this, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Is Israel a servant, a slave by birth? Why then has he become plunder? Lions have roared, they have growled at him. They have laid waste his land. His towns are burned and deserted. Also, the men of Memphis and Tauphinus have cracked your skull. Have you not brought this on yourselves by forsaking the Lord your God? when he led you in the way? Now, why go to Egypt to drink water from the Nile? And why go to Assyria to drink water from the Euphrates? Your wickedness will punish you. Your backsliding will rebuke you. Consider then and realize how evil and bitter it is for you When you forsake the Lord, your God, and have no awe of me, declares the Lord Almighty. I want us to put back up the first verse we read this morning, which is verse 13. We're going to keep it up this morning as a reminder of kind of what we're talking about. Because you may not have got the picture of this warning from God. Because God uses this amazing, just deep illustration with his people, and it's saying the same thing us today. Look at verse 13 again for one moment. Stay with me this morning. It says, my people have committed two sins. This is the Lord speaking through Jeremiah to his people. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water. And they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Now you have to understand that day, that again, this is an illustration they would have really understood. And A little bit different for us. Now we realize today how important water is, but it's a little, you know... We're so used to just going on, turning on the tap. It's right there. If something ever happened to our water, we wouldn't know what to do. In that day, you understand, it wasn't so easy to access water. And it was a big deal. And the Israel's a land, there's a lot of it's very arid and dry. And they really relied on God for provision of rain and any kind of water. And so one thing you know, they did in the land, in fact, you can go over there today. I've seen many of them. If you find an ancient village, you're always going to find at least one, if not more, cisterns. They would dig deep in the ground. They would try to cover it with plaster so they could store the water that would run off and they would have it in times of need. And so God uses this illustration of what if you dug a cistern? What if you dug the pit for the hold of the water and it was cracked? It it, It wouldn't hold water. It was broken. All that labor would be in vain. He's saying that's what my people have done. He says, they have forsaken me, the living water, the one who can satisfy and quench all thirst. And not only have they forsaken me, not only have they walked away from me, the source of life, but they've tried to go dig their own wells and cisterns. They've tried to find that water on their own. In other words, they've tried to solve their own problems and find peace in their life apart from me. And it, it doesn't make any sense. I've, you know, I've always thought of this verse, and, and something comes to mind of where I used to live. Now, if you don't know this of me before, I, uh, I mean, the family came to Bono here for five years, almost five years. We lived in a small town. It's not too far away, about an hour away, called Bluffdale. I pastored the church there in Bluffdale for several years. Bluffdale, if you've never been to Bluffdale, it's a really pretty town. It's around 377, right between Granbury and uh, Stephenville. Go through it sometimes. We've got a couple of hole the wall eating places that are fantastic, and they've got a few nice scenic views. It's an interesting place in a small little town. Now, back around the year 2000, some developer came out there and said, You know, this would be a good place to put a new housing division for the people wanting to get out of the big city. It's not too far away. They can come put their house out here and go work during the week in the city and come back. So they talked to some rancher and the rancher sold him his 4,000 acres for a huge amount of money. And the developers put a plan together and said we're going to split this up in two and three and four acre lots and start selling homes. So they put all of the brochure together and all the, they call it Mountain Lakes was the name of the new housing division. And they started and the salesman went out. And you wouldn't believe how fast the land Got purchased. I mean, just as quick as they could, before they were even cut the streets into that place, all the lots were being picked up by people. Now, I told you the place is called Mountain Lakes, but there's only, well, uh, there are a couple problems to that name. There were neither mountains nor lakes. Now, mountains they couldn't do much about. There were hills. I guess they could look at the hills and call them mountains, but they said, we can do something about the lakes. So, in their plan and in their sales pitch to all the people, they said, well, this new housing division will have. Two wonderful lakes. The first lake will be the fishing lake. And it will be, I mean, just the perfect setup for the avid fishermen. We'll stock it with the best, you know, from all around Texas. That's the first lake. The other lake will be the recreational lake. Over 100 acres out there of just open water to go ski and boat and all that fun stuff. And so all these people are like, yes, I can't wait to move out and buy this wonderful house out here. And some of them paid a lot of money to go live right on where the the big recreation lake would be. I mean, they were out there building houses with docks and just, I mean, getting, oh, it's going to be so beautiful. Well, the builders come in and the first group of builders come in. the engineer looks at where they want the lake, the big lake. And he goes back to the developers of the property He says, there's a problem it says, this won't hold water. He says, if you dig more than a few feet down, you're going you're to go into the fissure that's in the, the natural rock here, and all the water's going to drain out. So what do you think those developers who had bought the land and had sold all of it and were you know, making all these homes, what do you think they did for that first engineer told them this won't hold water? They fired them. Let's get another one in. So they get hired a second one. Come look, we want a lake right here. No, you dig down, it's gonna, it won't hold water. They fired that guy and the third. Until they finally hired a fourth guy, and I don't know what they gave him as far as money, but the guy said, I'll dig as deep as you want me to dig. And I'm kidding you not. They went and they dug this lake, and it looked good at the surface. I mean, they had all the dirt. and all They couldn't see the cracks, but they had it all laid out. I mean, and they again, beautiful homes surrounding this lake with these docks that built up. Got the lake dug out, all the work, said, let's fill it up. And it wouldn't hold any water. There were still, I, I'll never forget, by the time I got there, they were in the midst of dealing with all of this. And I'd go visit, I had one of my church members, one of my precious families who had built, like, the nicest house on the lake that never was, you know. It was just, they'd have this dock and just nothing, just, a, just an empty thing in front of them. And for the five years I was passing there, there was lawsuits back and forth, back and forth. I mean, the only buddy who made money in this was, was the lawyers, uh, suing one another. Who's going to have to fix this thing? And right about the time we left to come here, they had settled part of it and, and won a few million dollars from the developers. And I kid you not, they went back in such a determination to have a lake. They went and they bought these plastic tarps these, and they lined that whole bottom. And they lined it and they covered it with dirt. And they, I mean, all this kind of work. And they start filling up with water again. And I tell you, it's better than it was, but it still won't hold the capacity. And those linings will eventually fail. And there will be one day no lake where they said there will be a lake. And I was thinking in the midst of that how many times do you have to be told this won't work? And still keep doing it. No, we were promised a lake. We're going to put a lake right here. Do we really kind of have that kind of authority? <laughs> How many times does God have to say to you, that's not going to work. That thing over there, it won't satisfy. That, that thing you have put your hope in, it's not me. It is, I am the, the spring of living water. Now think of these verses. Two issues I have with uh, two sins against my people. They have forsaken me. They walked away from me when I have everything, and they went, They they went, dug their own cisterns. They tried to go make their own lakes. They tried to get their own happiness. But they were cisterns. They were things that could not hold water. But yet they kept digging, and they kept digging. Because I want you to realize that when God was speaking these words, they had been digging and building their broken cisterns for a long time. So much so that when God is trying to say, would you listen to my voice? Would you forsake those ways and follow me? Instead, they said, no, we've invested too much into these things that we've dug and that we've built. So I'm not going to leave this thing that's broken. And that's what happened to the people. If you haven't been in the Book of Jeremiah in a while, go back and read it. For the most part, it's not a very happy book. Because God is speaking to the prophet Jeremiah to the people: Here is what is about to happen to you, and it's going to be ugly, and it's going to be nasty, and you're, all these things—they're coming against your land—is about to be ravaged, and my spirit is going to leave your presence, and it's you have brought it on yourself. We can't ever say that God doesn't give us a warning. God is so long-suffering, so patient, so kind. He's trying to stop going that way. Stop building those things that don't work. Would you listen to me? Would you listen? He'll put on his dad voice even though we will say, no, I'm doing it my way. And when calamity comes, who can be blamed? Not God. All the things that would happen in in the land of that day and to the people and all those precious things that they thought were so secure, God had warned them time and time again, if you don't stop, this will happen. But they said, we're too invested in these broken things. What a sad picture, friends. What a sad picture, but it's one that becomes all too familiar. How many of us have to admit that that's exactly how we've treated God sometimes? He could could apply the same thing to us. And he's saying, you child, you have forsaken me. And you have tried to go find your peace over there. And it's not working. Put up for us again the last verse, verse 19, that we, that we looked at this morning. Because I want to show you what, what, uh, what God was saying in this. He says, your wickedness will punish you. Your backsliding will rebuke you. But then look at these words. Consider and realize how evil, and I love this word, how bitter it is for you when you forsake the Lord your God and have no awe. Of me. As I was saying earlier, I hope my boys never get to the place where they don't want to listen to the warning voice of their father. I realize that's probably going to happen because we all have the rebellious phases, don't we? We all have the signs that we don't want to listen to authority. But we can all look at our, those of us who've grown up. We can look at our lives and realize the bitterness and the pain it cost us. When we didn't listen to the authorities God placed in our lives, and it's so true when it comes to our life with God. When we don't have awe of God, when when He speaks and we're like, Whatever, God, our wickedness will be what punishes us. It's our backsliding is our rebuke. It's our fault. It's a, it's a terrible thing. It's, a, it's an evil thing when we don't stand in awe of God. And that word is bitter. He's using the, keeping on this illustration of this water. He says, yeah, that, that, those other waters that you traveled to go have, those other things, they, they looked good. They tasted sweet. For a moment, it was pleasure, you know, because you were living for yourself. But think of them now. They have turned bitter in your mouth. And that's the way evil works, friends. That's the way anything apart from God works. You go, I forsake you, God. I don't want to live in obedience to you because I got to go have fun over here. I got to live for me. I get to do the things I want to. I get to have the attitudes and thoughts that I want to. I get to hold on to the things that I know you don't care for my life. But I'm building my own cistern. And it seems good at first because it's like, look at me. I am deciding my life for myself. I'm in control. It is living to the theme of do whatever feels good to you. It's amazing. I'll, I'll watch the news, you know, different programs the weekend. How many times I'll say, see, hear somebody say a comment like that? Listen, it's in popular music today. It's on you know, the TV and radio. It's everywhere. This just do what seems right to you, live how you want to live. We, we phrase it in these just be yourself. I don't want to be myself. Because you know what I am? I am broken and sinful and unrighteous. But God in me covers all those things. I don't want to be myself. When I be myself, I fall into all kinds of stuff that not—it's not honoring to God. But in the moment, it seems sweet. In the moment, it seems like, oh, yes, I made that decision. It's the thing I want. I'm living for myself. But it turns bitter. And I love this passage because it's God saying, consider, stop and and think for a moment. Is all this you're doing for yourself, is it really even sweet anymore? Is it even good anymore? Are you just doing it because your pride isn't broken enough to say, my plans are broken. My things are bitter. You know, I can't ever... Oh, but when I read this passage in Jeremiah, it was one I've looked at several times. Every time I look at it, I always think over in the Gospel of John, chapter 4. When Jesus encountered the, the Samaritan woman at the well, you probably know the passage well, right? The woman who couldn't go to the well at the same time as everybody else. Why? Because she'd been ostracized. Because she had been living in all kinds of different stuff. She had... Five marriages. She was in a sixth relationship, not married. Who knows what else was going on in her life? And she finds herself there with Jesus. No idea who he is. Jesus, give me a drink of water. And she's, she's surprised by the request. Why do you ask me for a drink of water? I love Jesus' answer And the Gospel of John says this. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you'd have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And she's still, she's like, Living water? What are you what are you talking about? She says, This well where it's been here forever. We trust in this. He says, No, living water. He's trying to, and over time he's able to show her it's me. She do not want, she, at first she's not comfortable. She wants to go talk about. Other things, she wants to get in a debate about who's right and who's wrong over popular topics of the day. And Jesus brings, brings it back down to who you worship, where your heart is. He's saying, I am the living water. This, this water that you come out in the heat of the day every day to get because you can't be there with everybody else, it still will not satisfy. You've got to come get it again tomorrow. You've got to get it the day after that. I am living water. I fully satisfy." But you gotta gotta make a decision. You have to make a decision of where your heart, where your trust, where your obedience is. Because here again, if you think back in the passage of Jeremiah, God was speaking to people. Would you listen, would you consider for a moment that the things you're doing aren't working? If you would just come back to me, that's what we forget about the book of Jeremiah, that even in the midst of God pronouncing judgment, right hand in hand with that is his grace his love, his forgiveness. He's saying, "If you would just turn, if you would just get away from those things and come to me, I'm going to heal everything." I said, "I'll fix it all. I'll forgive all that nasty stuff that's out there. We'll, we'll we'll forget it. We'll get past it. We'll get back on track." Even beyond that, even as he says, "This is going to cost you. Your backsliding, your uh, your wickedness is going to punish you all that." He says, "But even then it's not going to last forever." Even then, he says, but there'll be a day I restore you and I return you to the land. He says, I'm going to wait till you're ready to listen to my voice again. But his pronouncement of judgment always comes with his blessing. He always says, but I will restore you. If you'll just turn away from those broken things, if you'll just stop messing with the things that don't work, that seem sweet at first but turn to bitterness, I'll, I'll fix all that old stuff. We'll get past it. we we'll, we'll, We'll fill in that broken cistern, and you'll go back to experiencing life filled up with living water. But do you stand in awe of God? When he speaks, do you say, yes, Dad. Yes, Abba, Father. I will do what you say to do. Because you are God and I am not. And I hear your voice calling me. And I realize how powerful you are and how awesome you are, how loving you are, and how I've been, just the fact that I am saved today is completely by your grace and not anything I've done. So God, yes, I'm rejecting those broken cisterns. They're overdone. I'm here with you. Let me share one tiny last little story and then we're going to have a time of response. Sometimes it's hard to let go of what you know is broken and doesn't work to follow a guy because you don't know where he's going to lead you. You don't know if you're going to be okay if you let go of all those old things, that nasty water you've been drinking, but at least you know it. Right? You don't know if you're going to be okay if you go to, if you go to God, if you start obeying Him. I, you say, I'd rather stay in what is broken, what is old, what is all this doesn't work. I'd rather stay here because I know it than turn to be obedient to God. I told you when we lived in, uh, again, lived in Bluffdale for several years. Well, Bluffdale is a tiny town. You know, they, they've added these homes, but they're a little south of town. The town proper is only 300 people. It's been that way forever. Most of the people in that area live out in the country. The town only has about three or four streets, you know, of you know, kind of neighborhood houses. And there's there's one blinking traffic light along the highway, and there's maybe one or two street lights. It's at night, it gets pretty dark there. Well, we lived in the parsonage right next door to the church, up one of those few streets in that town. Right after we moved there, I realized something odd that at night, it was so dark, you couldn't see the street to turn on that would lead up to where, to our house. I mean, you couldn't see it. There was no street light. There was, you know, even the street sign was so small and back in a bunch of trees, you couldn't even get the reflector off the street sign to know here's where you're going to turn. I, I hated to tell people how to get to our house uh, at night. I'm like, <laughs> you, you won't see the turn. And the first few times I did this, I'm like, I didn't know where I was going. It, it felt like driving into nothingness. And I, then I kind of learned the trick. If you're driving in a town, there at the edge of a road, you'd see a little marker, just a little thing sticking out of the road. It wasn't nothing. It didn't have a sign on it, just this inanimate object. I would learn that if I would just point the car at that, and if I would just... Aim, if I just keep it in that direction, I'd end up on my road. I'm not, I'm not joking. And I would tell people this when my, when my mother would drive down for Fort Worth, the first few times I'd say, see, there'll be a little pole thing, just aim for it. What, aim for, the, you know, it, it would mess people up in their minds to do this, but it would work. You couldn't see the street. You didn't know if you're going to fly into a ditch or hit a house or whatever. You aim for that. By faith, you're going to hit that road. Talk about putting your faith to the test. But it would work. It would work. And eventually it became second nature. It became, and then stop thinking about it. Again, we were there almost five years. I don't know how many times I would drive down that highway at night to turn off onto our road and you couldn't see it. And I just, I just find that little thing. I just aim for it and know I find my road. Every time. It's just kind of the way this works too. God's calling out His voice. He gives us His word, and He tells us His promise. He says, follow me, I'll provide for you. He said, come to me, and I'll heal you from all that old stuff. Come and believe, put your faith in Jesus Christ, my Son, your Savior, and he'll give you a salvation, and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. All these things, and you look at it, and from your perspective, you're like, I don't know, I can't see all of it. It doesn't make sense. And God, he's giving you that signpost that says, by faith, believe, and do what I'm telling you to do. And you've got to put your foot on the gas, and you say, I'm going to trust what God says, or you miss it. That's what faith is. It's scary at first, but then you start going, God is right. He He is the living water. He satisfies. He provides. He took care of all that stuff. He saved me from all that old things. He broke the chains that had me in bondage. All that by faith and trusting in his voice, by standing in awe of God. So some of you this morning, God is speaking and he's giving me directions. He said, here's the way to me. It mean, it's straight to me, but you've got to bypass those other things. That those broken old ways, they're not going to work. You, gotta, you can't follow that. To me, here, and he's saying to you, let go of that. Stop following this. Stop placing your hope and your trust in that over there. Me, the spring of living water. And you, by faith, have to decide whether you're going to listen or not. God gives us His Word and even examples of when it didn't go so well for His people so that we might listen today. Because what God has done before, He can certainly do again. And I don't want for your life, for your family, for our church to miss out on the blessing, to deal with the rebuke of the Father, to miss out on the feeling of His, the presence of His Spirit because we wouldn't listen. Dad is speaking. It is time to stand in awe of who he is and do what he tells you to do. Let's go before the Lord right now. Let's begin to pray. What I could ask you right where you are, just begin to talk to God. I always say bow your head and close your eyes just so you don't have to worry about anything else that's going on, not even the person next to you. Would you begin to talk to God right now? Because I'm going to guess that this morning, through our time of worship, fellowship, and and the Word, He has been speaking to you. I think as we've gone through this, some of you have recognized and realized those broken cisterns in your life, those things you have been putting your attention on, your focus on, your hope on. It seems sweet at a moment because you've got to live for yourself, but even now you realize it is bitter in your mouth. It's time to reject it. He said, but all all my hard work was put into this. This is what I know. If I follow God, it's, it's, it's going into the unknown. Yeah, you're right. But God has promised he'll take care of you. What broken cisterns is he calling you to reject and move away from today? You can't keep digging. You can't keep patching it. You can't eventually solve it. He says, let go of it. He says, my people have forsaken me, and then they have tried to dig their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Let that not be said of us here today. I want to pray with you, and then we do have a time of response because you may need to deal with the Lord today. You may have your heart prepared for something where you're going to come running in awe of his voice. Father, we come this morning thanking you praising you for all that you are, all that you've done, all that you are doing. God, thank you for this reminder. Thank you for having this written down for people that they rejected it still. That's the rest of the story. Though. There are some people, your people in that day that heard the warning and they continue to reject it. God, and when the trial came, when the... Uh, when that punishment fell, God, it was, not, it was not your fault. It was because of them. You, you lovingly and so patiently kept trying to tell you people to stop putting their trust and faith and their worship and those idols over there. I mean, you told them, God, you gave them a million more chances than I would have. And you, you gave miraculous signs, Father, to try to tell them that you were the, the one true power. And the source of all life. And they didn't listen. Only but a few. God, why why would we allow that to repeat itself? Today, God, my heart is broken by how many churches today stand on the brink of closing their doors. Not even I drive around here, and I sometimes see a church that's closed, or hear of just a couple being able to gather together. God, even beyond that, it's amazing. I drive to and from church, and spend this time, and see how many people are just completely going about other things. God, there are people who look at me and look at us right now as as foolish. For coming into this place and giving our time and giving our tithe and worshiping you they there's so many who do that and yet you continue to speak and you continue to show your love god and you try to from those who don't know you at all to those even your children who aren't being obedient to you continue to speak And nothing ever befalls that you didn't give us a warning about. God, as I was reminded this week of the day this church years ago stood with eight people trying to decide whether the doors were going to close. They listened to your voice. They were obedient. And I've seen amazing things happen. And your word you spoke then has not been removed. You have warned, God. You have called out to us over the years and times Don't follow that way. You have talked to us individually and you have spoken to us as a church family. Thank you for the patience. God, at any point you could have called us disobedient and done any number of things, but you have been so patient and loving. But now together as individuals, but as a church family, you are calling us to you, God. Let it not be said of the Bono Baptist family that we have forsaken you to go build broken cisterns. Let that not be spoken over this place. God, let us consider the bitterness any of us are carrying, that bitter taste in our mouth of the evil things we hold on to. God, let us hear your, your voice calling and warning and pleading and lovingly speaking, saying, come to me, the spring of living water. Come serve me only. Reject all those old things. Get rid of all those evil things and serve me only. God, let us be a people who hear that. Let us take your words, your warning, your message, and stand in awe of who you are. So, God, in these next few moments, God, I just pray you are, I pray you are smashing those broken cisterns. Just smashing them up, God. I pray in people's hearts you're just showing them right now how faulty and foolish and broken those things are they're holding on to that all that that effort energy they put into that thing that is not of you god just just smash it right now show them that it is broken it won't hold a thing god i pray they're broken so completely that there's no place to run but to you and i pray that it, that that happens in a mighty a mighty and holy way this morning that hearts are brought back to you, Father. That old things are just forsaken, they were broken and smashed and gotten rid of. And people would return to you the spring of living water. Lord, we love you, we thank you. Move upon us in might and power. In this time we pray. Amen.